0: Good morning, afternoon, or evening, wherever or whenever you are, ladies and gentlemen. This is Sports Coach with D. Crom. I'm your host, David Cromelo. Recently, NFL insider Connor Rogers of Bleach Report, as well as the co-host of the Stick to Football Podcast, joined me to share the latest buzz he's hearing regarding the 2020 NFL draft. We covered quite a bit of topics in our brief discussion, including why many GMs want the draft postponed and why the NFL still refuses to do so at this time the impact of COVID-19 on Tua Tagovailoa and other prospects, potential trades in the first round, and a lot more. So without further ado, here are some of the latest NFL Draft news and notes, courtesy of our good friend, Connor Rogers. Connor Rogers, thank you so much for joining us once again.
1: David, thanks for having me, man. Always a pleasure to talk to you. What's going on?
0: Uh, Not much, Connor. Just uh, ready to talk some 2020 NFL Draft with you. So uh, let's get started here. Uh, with uh, the COVID-19 pandemic, easily the most lethal pandemic since the smash flu of 1918, uh, just getting started here in the United States, uh, most fans are wondering um, when the, the draft is even going to be. And last night, uh, Adam Schefter and Diana Russini reported that despite a unanimous recommendation from GMs to delay the draft due to the pandemic, the NFL held firm in its plans to hold the draft April 23rd to 25th as originally scheduled. And one of the one of the main concerns GMs had was the disadvantage of some teams in areas that are currently hotbeds for COVID-19, such as the New York New Jersey area. I'm sure you know uh, having to draft from home, with other teams still being able to use their team facilities, albeit in limited capacity. But that said. The league is also ordering all team facilities to be closed from tonight at uh, 6 p.m. Eastern time through April 8th at the very least, which could mean that all 32 clubs might have to conduct the draft from home anyways. Do you think that's the case? And if yes, would you say the draft occurs as scheduled? And if not, how much does that increase the odds of the draft being pushed back?
1: Yeah, I think it's very up in the air right now. As you know, David, this has been quite the week-by-week situation. I work out of New York City. I'm based in, uh, you know, I live in New Jersey. So I've seen, um, you know, how impactful this can be almost firsthand at times in terms of, you know, being able to go to work or not being able to go to work and what's essential businesses and being on lockdown. So I think we do fortunately have exactly one month where you hope that in that month span teams will at least all be able to go into their facilities, even if they need an exemption for that, even if you need a limited staff capacity. And that, that's why they're sitting there probably saying, hey, why don't we push this all back? I, I don't think it's – I don't know if there's a fear about being able to go in uh, during the three days of the draft because that is a month from now, even in the worst places. Keep in mind that you know, the Jets and Giants facilities are not in New York City. They are in New Jersey. I know the Jets specifically are in a very rural part of New Jersey, Florham Park, New Jersey, on a lot of uh, you know acres and acreage themselves. So it's not that they're going into dense areas. It's just a matter of the state shutdowns being lifted in a month from now. But I think most importantly, the reason why they're pushing back is not in fear of any of that or delays in that. It's more so the preparation of them working together over this next month. How much draft meetings and war room meetings can you have on a Zoom conference call? Does it give you the same impact? Are you watching film together? Yes, there's ways to get through all of this, as I'm learning right now, doing my job full-time from home and not slowing down in any capacity. But I think for uh, a scouting department, it feels a little different, and I think that's really what it is. It's not the actual draft weekend event, but more so the preparation leading up to it and if they have an unfair advantage compared to a lot of other teams.
0: Oh yes, those were the main concerns uh, outlined in the report that Adam Schefter and Diane Rossini unveiled uh, last night. So it is indeed a, a fluid situation. And uh, what would you say would be the point of no return date uh, for the NFL? Uh, let's say you get to a date um, that you have to decide whether the draft is going to be delayed or held on schedule.
1: Yeah, well, I think when you when you look at it, number one, they have not wanted this thing uh, delayed, obviously. Now we're getting into crunch time here, right, David? I mean, when you look at it, you know, we're not we're not three months out anymore. We're not two months out anymore. So you know, it's a shame that it had to be moved from Vegas, but that was always, you know, unfortunately going to happen. You just can't have that. Number one, forget that you can't have that kind of crowd there. But then also, even without the crowd, shifting everyone to a location like Vegas is not safe. Uh, You know, obviously the NFL Network is based out of L.A. It makes sense to keep, you know, everybody there and do your studio shows from there in any possible capacity, even if you have to, you know, uh, live, you know, bring in people live from remote locations. Fortunately, we have the technology to do things like that. So, uh, you know, I think, listen, I understand the leagues. I understand both sides of it, right? There's no this, this is the wrong way. This is the right way approach here. It's not like that. Um, I think when you look at it, the league has the right approach that the timing, they, they want their, they've shown every sign so far, David, that they don't want to delay anything. I mean, we did not, they didn't delay free agency. That should tell you everything you need to know. That's when, not saying that's when the peak of this was going on, but that's when the
0: biggest reaction
1: to all of this was going on, that people were finally taking it seriously and they didn't delay free agency. So I think when you look at it like that, it tells you that they've been very stubborn to move anything back and now they feel that they have another month ahead of them where, you know, they don't want to make a decision right now and they want to roll with it because they feel like even if this is still going on in the capacity that it is a COVID nineteen pandemic, which a lot of us expect it to be, they still feel like they can execute the picket, you know, the selection of the players and the visual broadcast from the resources they still have available to them. Now, once again, for the scouting departments, it, it is hard for them. It's hard to stack your board and do the meetings and working together. I've talked to scouts that have been working from home right now, and it's not the team's choice. It's the state's choice for a lot of these places. I mean, it, that's the thing right now when you look at it, is that it's you know there are legitimate shutdowns in various cities. I know San Francisco was very early on it, obviously, New York and New Jersey have, have followed a lot of that in various parts. So when you look at it, there's, an understand, there's a very fair argument to both sides of this.
0: There most certainly is, and uh, these next couple weeks are going to be very interesting as the league uh, decides whether to keep the draft as scheduled or push it back a bit uh, to the wishes of uh, most of the uh, general managers in this league. But now back to the draft itself. As you and others have reported recently, arguably the biggest prospect whose stock is in limbo due to COVID-19 is Tua Tagovailoa, and since there will be no med rechecks, many quarterback needy teams might have additional pause about drafting him. And should the Miami Dolphins opt to select Justin Herbert instead, and the Chargers decide to take an offensive tackle at six overall, how far can you see Tua falling?
1: I don't see Tua falling past six, let's just put it that way. He won't make it past the Chargers at six, I think a team will come up and trade up for him at three, whether it's the Dolphins or the Chargers or a mystery team is yet to be seen, but I think... There is no secret that well, number one, I think two is getting healthy quicker quicker than people thought, but I don't think that's the concern. I think it's if he can stay healthy is the concern. So but teams will take that, that gamble, David. Teams will take that gamble. Tua talking by low is a phenomenal prospect, a great player, a great leader, a great person. And for teams, that that gamble is worth it to them. They feel like they can they don't have to rush him in, they can protect him. I mean, the Dolphins feel comfortable starting Ryan Fitzpatrick next year. The Chargers feel comfortable starting Tyrod Taylor. That's why those teams didn't go out and make moves with all these quarterbacks that were on the market in free agency and through trades and releases. So I think when you look at it, his you know, floor seems to be the sixth overall pick, which is really good news for a guy that had such a significant injury this college football season and, and quite a few injuries throughout his college career.
0: Oh, absolutely. And uh, you kind of partially answered my next question and I'll ask it anyway. Uh, There's expected to be a lot of wheeling and dealing early and often in this draft. And as of January, the consensus belief was that Joe Burrow and Chase Young would go first and second overall, respectively. And the draft would essentially begin at three overall with the Lions likely trading down. However, there was some buzz coming out of the combine that the Redskins may move down from two, and there's even some chatter that the Bengals, for crying out loud, may even trade down from one overall in a blockbuster deal with the Dolphins. Do you still believe the Lions are the most likely of those three teams to trade down, or is that buzz surrounding Cincinnati and Washington real?
1: Uh, I still think it's the Lions. I think the Redskins, there's always a chance, but they'd have to be really blown away to move off the pick to take Chase Young. That that much is known. They really, really don't want to you know, move away from selecting him. So the Lions make the most sense. Of course, the Lions would love to take Jeff Akuta, but if you move from three to five, you still might get Jeff Akuta. So they're going to be willing to at least answer the phone and see what options are on the table. The Bengals can't move out of that pick for Joe Burrow. I know people have brought up, hey, the Dolphins can offer multiple first-round picks. They have two second-round picks. The Bengals simply can't move off that pick. A a, a guy that's considered a hometown guy, I know he's from Athens, not Cincinnati, but still billed as a a hometown kind of kid, a franchise that needs an injection of life, a a risky head coach hire that was hired to get the offense going. The guy needs his quarterback to be given a shot, and Burrow is perfect for his offense with Zach Taylor so. There's no way the Bengals move. It seems like a very low percent chance the Redskins move, although maybe they'd entertain it if somebody offers something ridiculous. And the Lions still make the most sense. Now, what I'm fascinated by is if everybody sits there in a stalemate and stares at each other and they look at this thing and, you know, and go, hey, we're not going to move because we don't think anyone else is going to move. And then you get jumped. So it's interesting to me. The Dolphins have a very interesting – scenario on their hands because, you know, you don't want to give up picks to move up two spots, but then you're risking, as I said in the previous question, the Chargers coming up, a mystery team coming up. Teams like Tua Tungabailoa a lot, and teams like players like Isaiah Simmons and Jeff Okuda a lot in the offensive tackle class. You have the Browns and the Jets at 10 and 11, and the Bucks back there at 14. Those teams know they need offensive tackles, and they're sitting there wondering, hey, are we going to get our guy – if we just sit and wait so you bring up a great point about the movement within the top 10 top 15 of this class I think it could be very very significant and I think everybody's going to be staring each other down on draft night before they make a move
0: oh absolutely and uh, speaking of offensive tackles uh, there's been a lot of talk that four offensive tackles could go in the top 14 if not the top 11 Uh, is that talk real or um, is it uh, just bluster to you
1: I think it's very real. I think when you look at it, Jedrick Wills is a guy that, you know, we're going to have on our podcast, Stick the Football, this week. And we're very excited to talk to him because I think he's the best tackle in the class. And then you have Mekhi Becton from Louisville that a lot of people are high on. Tristan Wirfs, who dominated the combine and was a very good right tackle for Iowa. And, of course, the old reliable left tackle, Andrew Thomas from Georgia, a high IQ player, a lot of strength, a lot of power in the run game. So I think when you look at that group of four – it would be pretty shocking to me if, well, if any of the four get out of the 11 picks. I mean, the Giants still really, really need a tackle. I think. I think the Panthers still really, really need a tackle. The Chargers, I've talked about two of them, but there's also the chance that they, you know, they signed Brian Bulaga, but Brian Bulaga's been hurt a lot, and they still need another tackle. So, Jacksonville, I don't know how much they like their their group right now. It's just an okay group. I think they're going to lean more towards Isaiah Simmons or a receiver, but I'm not going to rule them out of taking a tackle. And the Browns and Jets seem like locks to take a tackle. So there's only four spots. It's like musical chairs, right, David? You look at it, and and the chairs start to get pulled, but there's still teams spinning around. And somebody's going to be sitting there, or I should rather say standing there, uh, when the music stops playing.
0: Oh, absolutely. And another spot in the draft where things get really wild, as Falcons GM Thomas Dimitrov himself hinted weeks ago in a radio interview, is around the range from picks 9 to 11 to picks 20 through 22. And a big reason why? Wide receivers. Although this is arguably the deepest, most talented wide receiver class in years, as I'm sure you know, there is a pretty sizable drop-off in terms of tiers from the top three wide receiver prospects on down. Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy, and CeeDee Lamb. Jacksonville at 9 and the Jets at 11 have been mentioned as trade back candidates, given the alarming amount of holes all over their respective rosters. And the Browns at 10, since they are back to a more analytics driven approach, have been mentioned as a possible candidate to trade back as well. And just look at the amount of wide receiver needy teams picking behind the Jets. The Raiders at 12 and 19. The 49ers at 13 and 31, although they're probably going to trade down on one of those picks. The Broncos at 15. Eagles at 21 and the Vikings at 22 to 25 out of those three trade back candidates the Jaguars Browns and Jets which one do you see as most likely to move back and which of those teams urgently in need of immediate wide receiver help that I mentioned do you see as their most likely trading partner
1: well I think it's very fluid right now I think when you look at the Jets if they're sitting there at 11 and the tackle that they want and I'm sure there's a couple that they want are not on the board, I think they would definitely answer the phone and look to move back. Now, Denver is a team that makes sense to come up for a wide receiver now because you have the Niners at 13, you have the Raiders at 12. So the Jets are in the second wave of spots, right? You look at it, there's that first wave of spots. Like pick number three is a hot wave because that's the pick you feel like you can get to it at. And, and then the Jets at 11 is the pick that you feel like you can get a top wide receiver at because you have Jacksonville – at nine they might take one maybe someone else surprises us but one of the top three wide receivers no matter what will be there with the 11th overall pick for the new york jets the raiders want one they're behind the jets the 49ers want one they're behind the jets the broncos everything i've heard is that they want one they're behind the jets now i think those teams have other needs you know the raiders are going to look at linebackers the niners Uh, they can go a lot of different directions to be honest with you just to keep stacking a roster because Kyle Shanahan can get starting talent out of day three wide receivers we have seen that before but I still think he'd like a first round wide receiver and the Broncos Cortland Sutton has been absolutely phenomenal and and they still need some help with the tackle position in in my eyes but once again are you going to get a tackle at 15 probably not maybe you get Josh Jones if you like him enough to take him there but you know I'm not John Elway I can't speak to that and and once again, if you're the Broncos at 15, you might miss on both runs. You might miss on the tackle run. You might miss on the wide receiver run. So it might be worth it to you to go back up in this draft. Do the opposite of what you did last year and actually move up and play the board, which we've seen this is a team that's fluid to make deals before. So the question is, what is you know, what kind of draft capital are they willing to surrender? Because the Jets aren't just going to move out of 11 in a class where it really does tailor off outside the top 15 in my eyes. They're not just going to move out of 11 for an extra – you know, fourth round pick. It's not going to be like that. So I think it will be very, very interesting. And on, on top of things, the Jets won't move if somebody like a Jedrick Wills or a top offensive tackle is there. So a lot of moving parts. And that's what makes the draft honestly, so much fun is discussing all these scenarios.
0: Oh, absolutely, and uh, there was a lot of fear from Broncos fans that, oh, just watch the top receivers go 11, 12, and 13. Uh, you can't rule out the Jaguars at 9, so there's a chance that those top three receivers could be gone before the 49ers, for crying out loud. So uh, it's not that the Broncos are, are the, aren't are the only team in danger of missing out on those three. The, uh, the 49ers aren't necessarily out of the woods either.
1: No, definitely not. I mean, <laughs> listen, there's a lot of, once again, there's just so many different ways this thing can fall where you always want to be sure, right? You, you don't want to sit there. That's why a lot of, of GMs will argue with you when they don't trade out. Dave Gettleman has been quoted as saying this, because Dave Gettleman, I think, has made 44 draft selections in his career, and he's, you know, he's never moved out of a pick. And Gettleman's you know, argument is that if you like a player there, you'd rather take him and be sure that you got him, Rather than rolling the dice for more capital, but probably potentially not having that player on the board later. So I think when you look at it, a lot of GMs think that way. Now, uh, in my eyes, the really, really good GMs have plans, you know, one, two, three, four, five. And the short-sighted GMs kind of have plan one and maybe two. And that's why they're not as flexible. But, you know, there's also times where GMs get trade-happy by going back and they do miss out on the crop of talent. So that's why you need to tier talent. And once again, this is what I say about, you know, the jets and the Broncos are really good examples. And I like that you bring up the 49ers because they're, they're hovering. I do think they're in range where they're going to get somebody that's in that tier one example, but they're hovering the border, the Broncos as well. They're really, really, you know, kind of maybe right on the outside, looking in or standing on the line it, a couple of things will have to break their way where you want to sneak into the end of the really, really top tier run The question is, is there a team that's willing out to move for that and what price do they want to do that?
0: Absolutely. It is Connor Rogers, ladies and gentlemen, NFL insider, honorary friend of the podcast of Bleach Report and the co-host of the Stick to Football Podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at Connor J. Rogers. Thank you so much for joining us once again today, Connor. But before you go, we got two brief listener questions for you. And the first listener question comes from a listener of mine who is a Packers fan and she wants to know what should the Packers game plan be for the draft?
1: Okay, so with the Packers, I think at pick 30. Now, the Packers always like to do what we don't expect them to do. But on the latest Mock Draft Monday at Bleacher Report, we did a two-rounder. I had their first-round pick. So I had the 30th overall pick. And I took Denzel Mims from Baylor. And I know they just signed Devin Funches. You have Devontae Adams there. Once again, I and Alan Lazard, who I actually really, really like. But with Denzel Mims, that gives a size-speed element that I think is your clear-cut number two in the offense. And, you know, guys get hurt. Packers fans know that, a wide receiver. You know, they've gone through a lot of different players over the years, like every, every high-profile offense has before. So I, I like what Green Bay's done with this defense, especially in free agency last year, and they're well-coached. I think they need another wide receiver for Rodgers, really start surrounding him with help. They have a good backfield. They've done some nice things on the offensive line in recent years. Elkin Jenkins comes to mind for me. So I think at 30, you're, you're probably not going to get – you know, this Brian Bulaga kind of replacement that you're hoping for. I like the way the board breaks at 30 at wide receiver where you can get a premier number two target. Uh,
0: Yes, most people do anticipate the Packers addressing the wide receiver position early to get a more long-term compliment for uh, Devontae Adams. And last but not least, uh, I'm based out of the Chicago area, and a lot of my listeners want to know, what do you think the Bears do with their two second-round picks?
1: So the Bears really need to load up on the offensive line in my eyes. Now, once again, this goes back to my my point of how will this board break? And I like Isaiah Wilson, the right tackle from Georgia. I think he could even play guard. And I think the Bears are a team that you know they they really really need to get deeper in their offensive line rooms. So I think one of those picks has to be offensive line. They could really use another wide receiver there, and this is a really good wide receiver class. So when you're when you have two second round picks and no first round pick, you 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 want to do a mix. I think you you got to solve a need, which is offensive line. But I think one of those picks needs to to play to the board's strength, and that's wide receiver in my eyes. Where you got you might be able to get a first round talent at wide receiver. So the Bears can you know can kind of split the difference and go both ways there, which would, would tremendously help that football team right now.
0: Connor Rogers, thank you so much for joining us once again. Looking forward to having you back on very very soon. Stay safe, my friend. Thanks,
1: David. Always good talking to you, bud. See you later.
0: Thank you, Connor, and that's it for today here on SportsCross, but we'll be back with a lot more shortly as the 2020 NFL Draft Hopefully, draw us closer, so stay tuned. In the meantime, be sure to check out the episode archive as well as my blog at sportscrunch.com. And remember, that is Crunch with a K. And if you enjoy these podcast episodes, please consider leaving us an iTunes review and donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash sportscrunch so we can improve our iTunes ranking and afford to produce even more shows with awesome guests like Connor. You can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter at dcrom59. For Connor Rogers, this is David Cromwell saying so long, stay awesome, stay safe, stay happy, and stay healthy.